The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Kind of a question, and, and so it's really about our, our culture and the time that we live in. I want to ask you, how many times, especially here in the last couple of years, maybe even it was before COVID, but how many times in the last couple of years have you heard someone in the media, maybe... It's a politician, uh, some sort of speaker, maybe a celebrity, probably a celebrity, um, maybe even a preacher, but someone get up and make some sort of a public statement that you hear and it makes you say, amen, right on, I am so glad that someone finally said that out loud, only to be met with disappointment when a day later, two days later, maybe even just a few short hours later, you find them apologizing for it, walking it back. They got out and told the truth and then all of a sudden become apologetic and have to walk it back, even though it was true. Another form of this we see, it's a little bit different, but it's kind of along the same problem is that we see someone who may stand up to give a speech or some sort of presentation or a message, and they immediately neutralize their own authority or the authority of the message by beginning with something like, uh, like an apology, right? Like, uh, you know, hey guys, uh, good morning. I'm, I'm sorry it's just little old me up here, and, and I'm sorry, you know, that I don't have more qualifications. Uh, or how about this? Uh, you're probably not going to like the message very much, but here we go. You hear something like that, and then they begin to go on to equivocate and, and to, to give some sort of a, a message that starts from a place of truth that has a beginning in truth or maybe parts of it, but by the time they get done massaging it and softening it and watering it down, there's really nothing left at all. This is the temperature of the culture that we live in today. It's the cultural climate that we have today. A climate where sin has broken the thermostat and it leaves the regulation of the temperature not to the objective truth of God's word, but to the ever-changing will of the lost. Our culture seeks to decide what is acceptable for us. Our culture wants to say what is right, what is considered true. And when we Christians join in on that and we allow the culture to act as our thermometer... It will neuter the authority from our message, causing it to be apologized for, walked back, and watered down with every rise and fall of the cultural mercury. It's why Redemption Bible Church has pillars, things like this. This is why we have them. They're biblical truths that we are committed to. And as we walk through our pillars in this series, we begin with unapologetic preaching. That's my task today. Unapologetic preaching is all about authority. You see, not like those unauthoritative examples that I gave you earlier. We preach with authority. 
And this is the main point for today. Here's a definition for unapologetic preaching. You can see it on the screen here. Unapologetic preaching is boldly proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. It's a commitment to God's word. It's a commitment to the truth as God has revealed it. It's the reason that we can stand here in the pulpit on a Sunday morning and let her rip without having to walk it back or water it down. There are a lot of different texts of Scripture that I could take you to that really would undergird and support. There there are a lot of them that we could go through. But I want to take you to the one that I think is, is the clearest It's the heaviest, and it's the easiest to carry with you for the rest of your life. So if you would, open your Bibles with me. We're going to go to Matthew 28. That's what chapter we're looking for. So go to the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, just raise your hand, and uh, somebody who loves you will bring you one. So go to verse 18 there, and let me read it for us. Short passage. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. All of what? Authority, that's right. Somebody gets a gold star, I heard you. Circle that word authority in your Bible so that you never forget it. Because you're going to see how important that single word is. You see, Christ's ownership of authority, it did a lot of things that amazed. You can read through your New Testament how everyone was amazed at the authority that Christ carried. It amazed the crowds at the Sermon on the Mount. Where like it says in Matthew 7, 29, it says he was teaching them as one with authority, not as the scribes. It boggled the mind of the scribes and the chief priests and the elders who in Mark 11, verse 28, demanded to know by what authority do you do these things? And who gave it to you? Like the time that at a synagogue in Galilee, Luke 4.36, when Jesus drove a demon out of a man and all the people there in the synagogue said, what is this? With authority and power, he commands the demons and they come out. They couldn't understand the authority that he possesses. Authority even over life itself. John 10.18, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to pick it up again. This charge I received from my Father. You see, authority belongs to Christ. And because all authority belongs to Christ, when a preacher steps into the pulpit and opens God's word and proclaims it for all to hear, the preacher shall not and must not do it in any other way than boldly and with authority. Why? So glad you asked that. 
Because the authority of the preacher does not belong to the preacher. It belongs to Jesus. The message is his, the power and the glory are his, and the authority is his. We don't add to it, and we don't take away from it. It belongs to him. You know, one time I heard Pastor Blair say that preachers are messengers. They are heralds of the king's message. And I love the mental picture that that gives me. I think of like a, a medieval herald. You know, I like to think of myself like this. A, a medieval herald, and I've got on this long red coat and like little golden doodahs all over it and a funny little hat. One of those long horns, you know, where you come out and ba da da da, the king's message, you know, like that. Maybe a Texas version, probably, hey y'all, hey y'all. Uh, but you get the point, right? We're, we're, the herald comes on the authority of the king. He comes with the king's message and the king's authority, even to opposing forces. And often this is what the herald's job was, not to just go deliver some message, but to deliver message to an opposing force. Even if he may be persecuted, even if he may be killed. And that happened a lot. You've heard the saying, don't shoot the messenger, right? This is where it comes from. And people do. They do want to take it out on the messenger, especially if you've got a message that deep down inside they really don't want to hear. This is why some preachers are tempted to, to soften and water down the message of Christ because they're afraid. It's out of fear that they do this. It's why some preachers are, as the Bible warns us, false teachers, false prophets, worm their way into a pulpit and present a spineless half-gospel, a partial truth, which, if you ask me, is no truth at all. They come not confidently in the king's authority, but weakly and apologetically on their own authority. And they leave out parts of the gospel that lost men and women don't want to hear. They're afraid that you'll shoot the messenger. But we come on the king's authority, Christ's authority, and authority tells the truth. And that's really kind of our second talking point here today is that authority tells the truth. You see, unapologetic preaching includes necessarily preaching the whole truth of what God says and letting it stand. Because God is holy and He is mighty and He knows what He's doing. God knows what He's doing and He knows what He's written. We don't need to apologize for it. We don't need to change it. We don't need to soften the truth. We don't need to defend God. I can't remember exactly who it was who said this. I'm sure he was some, you know, pipe-smoking, long-beard theologian somewhere. But he said, you don't defend a lion. 
He set him free. He defends himself. So it is with the truth of God. You let the Bible stand. Probably just because when something goes wrong at the house, I can turn to Corey and just be like, well, babe, you know, it is what it is. And I do that sometimes, but that's not why I like it. The reason I like the saying is because every time I hear someone say, it is what it is, I'm reminded of something that God once said to Moses. And I want to see if you remember this. Back in Exodus, what was this? Uh, not this summer, but last summer. Back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, Moses is standing there at the burning bush, talking to God. And Moses asks God, he says, if I come to the people and say, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, well, what's his name? What shall I say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me. Man, I am who I am. He is who he is. Does that sound like a God who needs his truth improved upon? Who needs us to sweeten or soften the message? He is who he is. And his word is what it is. Let the truth stand on its own authority without apology, even when it's offensive. I'm speaking here of the gospel. You've heard it said before that the gospel is an offensive message. But if you or I, are we guilty of this? Have we removed the offensive truth of the gospel? Are we guilty of placing a great and proper emphasis on Christ's death at the cross and His resurrection three days later, but all the while blazing past, barely touching the individual need to repent from sin, to repent from self-righteousness. You see, when the gospel of Jesus is presented fully to an unbeliever, it will lead to them asking this question, are you saying, you're telling me this stuff, I help people where I can, I don't even put dirty pizza boxes in the recycle bin. I go to church every Sunday. Are you saying that I'm not good enough? And that's offensive. Because yes, that's exactly what you're saying. That you are not good enough to get to God on your own. And neither am I. Sin separates the sinner from God. Someone has to pay for sin with their life. You need someone who is good enough to be that payment for you. And so do I. We need Jesus. In John 1.29... John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. In Matthew 16, 16, Peter calls him the Christ. In Romans 3, 24, Paul calls him our redemption and propitiation. In John 20, 28, Thomas calls him my Lord and my God. And in John 8, Jesus himself said, before Abraham was, I am. Verse 
Does that sound familiar? This is who we need. This is who is good enough to live the sinless life that we should live and pay the penalty of death that we deserve because of our sin and our self-righteousness. This is the truth delivered you today with authority and without apology. Because like I said earlier, unapologetic preaching is all about Christ's authority. We've seen how it belongs to Him. We've seen that authority tells the truth. But here's really our final point for this morning. That authority gives us courage. Let's go back to the text here. Go to, back to Matthew 28, verse 18, and let's look at it again. But, but this time we're going to read further. We're going to go all the way there uh, to the end of Matthew. And I'll read it for us. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission. And most of you in here, you recognize that. You know this section of Scripture. And if you don't yet, that's fine. This is what it's called. It's called the Great Commission. The passages here. Maybe the heading in your Bible might say that. It's where Jesus is commissioning. He's sending out His disciples. And if you're a disciple of Christ today, this commission this mission, this direct order from your commanding officer is for you. He sends out we disciples to preach the gospel everywhere we go. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's why members of Redemption Bible Church exist. It's our mission statement to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the great commandment. The great commission is our great mission. And I'm so glad that many of you have memorized verse 19. That's fantastic. However, if I asked a group of believers what the great commission is, most of us would recite that verse, and only that verse. You know, what's the Great Commission? Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But when we only remember this singular verse as defining the Great Commission, and we leave out the others, we miss so much. We miss the courage sandwich that Jesus uses here. You've heard of the compliment sandwich, right? That's when you give someone constructive criticism, but you, you sandwich it between, you know, giving them some, here's what you did well, here's a problem I had, here's another thing you did well. <laughs> Pastor Blair will probably feed me a few constructive criticism sandwiches after, uh, after the sermon here. But in the Great Commission, Jesus gives us the courage sandwich. Let me show it to you. Look at the passage again, but this time, let's back up a little bit and go, go all the way to verse 16. 
Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. See, there's your context. They were doubting. They were scared. They were lacking courage. But Jesus steps in with authority, and he gives them the courage sandwich. Yum, 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 yum. They, like us, are lacking courage in verse 16 and 17. And Jesus gives them the top piece of bread. Verse 18, all authority is mine, meaning have courage. Verse 19, he gives them this triple decker of meat. Get out there, baptize, teach. But then in verse 20, that last piece of bread, the bottom one that undergirds it, he says, and I will be with you to the very end, meaning have courage. The Great Commission, it isn't one verse. It's all of these. It tells us our mission, yes, but it begins and ends. The mission is sandwiched between the declaration and the promise of Christ's authority. Let it embolden you. I pray that you'll remember and dig into the courage sandwich on your mission to make disciples for Christ. I pray that your pastors and I will have bellies filled with courage and spines of steel when we step into the pulpit and preach. And I pray that you will be careful and discerning, accepting only Christ-filled truth-filled, courageous preaching from those who influence you, from the broadcasts that you listen to, and the publications that you read. Because none of us have the time or the room or the stomachs for apologetic, watered-down cultural nonsense. All legitimate authority on heaven and earth, belongs to Christ. His authority tells the truth, and it gives us all courage to boldly proclaim the authority of God's Word without apology.